If you're looking in your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow, they do not labour or spin, Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near. No moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. 
It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Good morning, my name's Jeff. Uh, I'm one of the staff here at St Matthew's. Can you believe it's December already? Unbelievable. Christmas is almost here. Um, If you haven't started your Christmas shopping, I don't know what to tell you. It's too late. Uh, the, the shops are already chaos. Um, if you work full time, there's, there's like four shopping days left and then Christmas is here. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to break that bad news. And it's December. So all the December stuff has started. We're so busy, right? All, you know, work is crazy trying to get everything done before it all wraps up for the year and Christmas arrives. You've got the work Christmas lunch. You've got the secret Santa that you've got to organize and work out how to find a gift for five bucks that everyone's going to love. It's like, oh, you know, and at home that's busy as well. Aunt Mavis, she's coming to stay and you haven't got the room organized. You still haven't fixed a shower. The retic's broken. The house is a mess. Uh, and school, you've got the school Christmas concert. Uh, you've got to get around that. The end of your wind up. Uh, cricket started, so all your Saturdays are gone and your Sundays. Uh, and, you know, there's still all the regular stuff. You still got to get up and shower and doctor's appointments and everything. And we're so busy. And don't get me started on church, right? You got all the extra church services. You got letterbox drops and uh, you're still on the lunch roster. All this stuff. And we're so busy. Aren't you busy? Aren't you busy? It's December. <laughs> Whew. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our series on time, and we're thinking about time and busyness. What does the Bible have to say about how crazy busy we are? Uh, surely, God has something to say about that. What does the Bible say about our time and busyness? And I think the answer will surprise you, because the Bible doesn't just say that busy is bad. Uh, we might think. Uh, that the Bible would say, look, you know, you need to slow down, you need to uh, you know, rest and, and connect with God in the silence. But that's not what it says. Uh, there are bad kinds of busy, uh, but there's a good kind of busy as well. So we're going to work our way through uh, this part of Luke chapter 12. We're going to see the busyness of greed, the busyness of worry, and finally, the busyness of the servants. As we go through, Jesus is going to give us three instructions that connect with each of those sections. He's going to say, watch out, don't fear, and be ready. Watch out, don't fear, and be ready. That's our, our course for today as we think about uh, busyness and time. Uh, so firstly, the busyness of greed. The topic comes up there in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, uh, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, it doesn't say, but my guess is that this guy is a younger brother. I just have a feeling because I grew up with an older brother and this is a total older brother move, right? Uh, they never share. They don't share Lego. They don't give you a turn on the computer. 
Uh, they just don't share. And so uh, this guy comes to Jesus and he says, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And in some ways, that's a totally reasonable request, right? You know, the parents have died and the inheritance does need to be divided equally, uh, but his brother is keeping it for himself. And if that happens, uh, what you would do is you would go and see a rabbi. You would, you would go to a teacher and ask them to, dev- to decide the matter for you. And so it's a reasonable thing that this guy's doing. But Jesus is having none of it. Look at his reaction there in verse 14. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me and a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. See, that's the real problem here, greed. And to really unpack the problem, Jesus tells a parable, a story of a rich man. And that's an important detail there in verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now again, this is a pretty common situation, a commercial arrangement. Here's a guy doing a totally reasonable thing. His harvest is huge. That's good. And his barns are too small, so what's he going to do? What's he meant to do in that situation? He's like, I'm not just going to let it rot here on the ground. He's going to build bigger barns. And anyone would look at that and say, well, yeah, that's reasonable. In fact, that, that's logical, that's wise, that's good stewardship, right? Uh, and when that's done, well, he's going to retire. He's going to go on a cruise. And why shouldn't he? He's had to work hard. He's been busy building these barns. Busy as an ant, doing all this stuff. Uh, and he's brought in this enormous harvest, and that was a huge amount of work, and, you know, he's earned it. What's he meant to do with all the money? He's just going to, like, flush it down the toilet. No, he's going to enjoy it. And Jesus says, you fool. You fool, so busy. Running around, building barns, planning your retirement, all totally reasonable actions, and totally miss the point. See, he didn't remember God. He didn't remember his creator. And so he forgot that he was not in control. And he forgot that one day the creator will demand his life. And you see the connection there in verse 21. He's a rich man, but not rich towards God. Rich, but not rich towards God. And in all his totally reasonable business decisions, not once, not once did he give a thought towards God. Did you notice that? He says, this is what I'll do. My barns, my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, my, my, my. And he's busy, yes. He's caught in the busyness of greed. Too busy to care about God. No pause to think about the Creator who gave him the harvest. No thought to share his riches with others in need. And so what about this this guy from the crowd who asked about his inheritance? Well, if you could meet Jesus face to face and make one request, what would it be? 
tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? (laughs) That's what you ask Jesus? Rich, but not rich towards God. And so Jesus' first instruction to his people is to watch out. Watch out. It's a military expression. It means set a guard. Uh, Put someone in a tower and tell them to look out for greed and to ring a bell whenever you see it. When you go Christmas shopping, watch out. Uh, When you book your next holiday, watch out. Don't let greed turn your focus onto the things of this world. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't let greed make you focus down here and, and turn away from God. Not think of the things of God. That's his point. And so because we're thinking about time and, and busyness, uh, this morning I want to ask an uncomfortable question. Are you busy because you're greedy? Now I find that an uncomfortable question because it's uncomfortable for me. Am I busy because I'm greedy? Because I want to squeeze so much out of this life that I'm ultra busy with all of this stuff. So focused on our work, on making money, that we never have time for the things of God. It's a bad kind of busyness that Jesus wants to expose. And I think for us, it may be that it's quite subtle. Um, you know, we might not be like uh, this guy who's just after the inheritance or the guy who's just after bigger barns and more money. Because I, I think that the real object of greed in Perth is not money, but lifestyle. Not money but lifestyle. And we want to get as much as we can out of the good things of this life. And we're busy there. In uh, 1926, Henry Ford, of Ford Motor Company, um, he brought in for his workers the eight-hour workday, down from 10, 10 or 12 hours. And that sounds good, right? Less busy. That's really good. Uh, except uh, he did it to drive consumption. Here's what he said. He said, leisure is an indispensable ingredient in a growing consumer market because working people need to have enough free time to find uses for consumer products, including automobiles. You need more free time so you can fill it with leisure. And on average, we're working less than we did 100 years ago. Uh, We should have more time, but we feel way busier. Why is that? Why do we feel so busy? Well, it's because we've got too much, too many options. It takes more time to choose the movie on Netflix than it does to watch the actual movie. And we just have so, so much access to so much stuff. The abundance is overwhelming. If I can use myself as an example, uh, this week, I, I like to listen to podcasts. They're just kind of like radio programs, but on the internet. And this week, I felt I, I missed several of them. And if they were just radio programs, then I would have missed them, and I wouldn't think anything of it. But now I'm behind, and because they're on the internet, I, I need to catch up. And so now I've got hours upon hours of podcasts that I'm, I need to catch up on, and I feel ultra busy because they're just sitting there waiting for me, right? And we could stream endless sport if we wanted to, constant entertainment. And just the presence of all this abundance presses in on us and makes us feel busy constantly. So it's not that we have to look like these money-hungry fat cats, 
And we can be busy with other things, busy with leisure, entertainment, and we're rich with it. But are we rich towards God? Watch out. Watch out for all kinds of greed, Jesus says. Watch out for building the kind of life that's so busy enjoying the things of this world that we neglect God. Too busy to thank God for his abundant gifts. Too busy to think about others in need. Just like the guy in the parable. Are we rich in lifestyle but not rich towards God? I think that's the question that Jesus is asking. The busyness of greed. Secondly, the busyness of worry uh, there in verses 22 to 34. And see, uh, this is like the flip side of greed. Greed is focused on having more, but worry is focused on not having enough. Uh, Let's have a read from verse 29 there. Jesus says, Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. See, the world runs after such things. They're busy, busy, busy. You know, the world runs after such things. That could be a Christmas shopping slogan, just running after all these things. Uh, How many fashion labels are there? How many uh, clothing shops down at Claremont? How many gourmet cooking shows and celebrity chefs? Just the, the world runs after these things. So busy chasing food and drink and clothes. And Jesus says, that's crazy. That's no way to live. He says, don't worry. Don't seek those things. Why? Uh, Well, he gives three reasons. As we're just kind of whipping through them to to see uh, his argument here. Uh, Firstly, he says, your life is more than stuff. It really is. Your life is more than stuff. Uh, Martin Forbes of Forbes magazine apparently is the one who said that he who dies with the most toys wins. And if that's true, uh, then I say go for it. Worry about stuff as much as you can. The, The only thing we should be worried about is getting a jet ski. Every one of us. We need jet skis. But that's not true, is it? Life's not about stuff. Life is more than stuff. So don't reduce yourself down to, to toys, down to food and drink and clothing. That's Jesus' first argument. Uh, your life is more than stuff. Secondly, you have a loving Heavenly Father. He makes this argument about the, the ravens and uh, the, the flowers of the field. Uh, it's an argument from the lesser to the greater. He says, learn a, a lesson from uh, the ravens. You know, you've never met a stressed raven, correct? Uh, you've never met one who plans really diligently, uh, you know, making barns and getting everything organised. No, they just... The, the father feeds and cares for them. And if God looks after them, how much more you? And the wildflowers, you know, they don't go shopping, they don't try on seven different outfits, and they don't check the shirt to make sure it matches their eyes, right? And yet they look beautiful, And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is just here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Trust your Father in heaven. 
You have a Father in heaven who loves you way more than grass, way more than unclean ravens. Trust him. That's the second argument. You have a loving Father. And thirdly, worry doesn't work. It's just completely ineffective. Right? If worry made you live longer, then sure, maybe put a bit of effort into worrying about stuff. But it doesn't. It doesn't even do that. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? It won't even get you anything. So Jesus says, do not seek what you will eat and drink. But you might think, hang on, is Jesus saying uh, we don't need to do anything? You know, we don't need to, you know, we, God's just going to drop food and drink in our laps. We don't really need to do any effort at all. Well, no, not, not quite that. We need to look at Jesus' instruction, his second instruction here. Uh, his instruction isn't don't work. He isn't saying don't plan or don't buy clothes. Jesus says don't fear. There in verse 32, uh, his words to us are beautiful. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. See, the logic is that if he's been pleased to give you the kingdom, eternal life, then surely he'll give you the other stuff too. Uh, Won't he take care of you now? He's taking care of eternal life. Trust him for this life. Don't fear, you are sheep of a loving shepherd. He calls us little flock. Little because we're, we're weak and vulnerable and he knows it. He knows what we need. But Jesus needs to tell us, don't fear, because we do fear. We do fear missing out. We do worry about the things of this life. We worry a lot. Uh, when someone asks, how are you going? And you say, well, I'm so busy. Right? At least that means we've got things going on, right? We're busy with, with work and social things and all that kind of stuff. And it can be a badge of honour, uh, you know, a little flex. We say, well, I'm very busy. But what if you're not busy? What does that say about you? And so we fear. We fear not having the stuff of this life that does make us busy. And so we buy into the busyness of worry. And worry makes us busy, chasing the things of this life. And so I want to ask you an uncomfortable question this morning. Are you busy because you're worried? Busy because you're scared that if you'll you'll stop, uh, then all those things that you you think you need in this life, you'll lose it all and it'll all come crashing down and so you have to be busy. And if that's you, uh, then Jesus wants to reassure you, you have a loving Heavenly Father. And he wants to give you some practical advice uh, to help you with worry. Uh, if, that, if that's you, if you're someone who is running around because of worry, uh, here's the practical instruction, verse 33. He says... Sell your possessions and give to the poor. If you find yourself uh, deeply invested in chasing the things of this world, then Jesus' instruction is to sell those things. Just divest yourself of those assets. And you think, Jesus, I'm worried about not having enough, and you tell me to go and sell that stuff. What is going on? 
Uh, but here's the explanation in verse 34. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now it seems like it should be the other way around, right? Uh, that where your heart is, that's where you'll put your treasure in the things that you love. Uh, but Jesus says it's the other way around. Where you put your treasure, that's the thing that you'll love. You'll love. Your heart will incline after that thing. And so if your heart's anxious about worldly stuff, then take that treasure and put it somewhere else. Invest that in eternity, and then your heart will be drawn to that and away from the things of this world. Put your time and your money and your treasure and yourself into the things of God. And that will take your worry away from this stuff and put your focus on God himself. Take your time and your money and invest it in compassion for the needy, in the spread of the gospel. And then your heart will go to those things. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, don't run around chasing after the things of this world. Busy with worry. Seek first his kingdom. So far we've seen the busyness of greed, the busyness of worry, and now finally, uh, the busyness of the servants. The first two kinds of of busyness um, don't work. They, They fail because they don't remember God. They don't remember God, the creator, who will uh, demand our life. They don't remember uh, God, our loving father, who cares for us. But what does it look like if we do remember God? If we do consider God? The next section there from verse 35 is about the wise way to be busy, how to use your time. Uh, Verse 35, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. So here's another parable. Uh, But here the servants are smart. They do consider God. They do think about their master. And he's away right now, but he'll return any time, and they need to be ready. And so they need to be busy, busy with the things of the master now. They're to be dressed, ready for service. They're to keep their lamps going. And uh, verse 40 gives the explanation. It says, You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus will return from heaven to finally establish his kingdom. And so Jesus' instruction is be ready. Be ready. Or, to put it another way, be rich towards God. Or, to put it another way, Store up treasures in heaven. Be ready. Now, what does that mean practically, to to be ready? Uh, It doesn't just mean you have to, uh, instead of being ultra busy about this stuff, just be ultra busy about with church. Just fill up your calendar with with endless church stuff. Obviously, we want you to come to things, but that's not Jesus' point here. It's it's bigger than that. And again, it, it will help to understand the instruction, be ready. Be ready for Jesus' return. What will that look like? Well, it'll mean continuing to trust Jesus, to have him as our master. Being ready will be putting time now 
into finding out about Jesus. If you're not a Christian, the way to apply this passage is to think through who Jesus is. Consider the claims of Christ. That's a way to get ready. Being ready will mean investing your time in growing as a Christian if you are someone who trusts in Jesus. Being ready will mean continuing to ask God for forgiveness, uh, continuing to fight sin and put our trust in the Lord. Being ready will mean uh, becoming more like Christ in humbly serving others. Uh, Being ready will mean inviting others in to hear about the good news of Jesus so that they might be ready like we are. To be ready doesn't just mean have a crazy full diary. It means investing yourself in the things of God, not the things of this world. See, our busyness is often uh, worldly. It often looks like, you know, that that chaotic Christmas shopping, right? Uh, Driven by greed or worry. But what Jesus wants for us is to shift that activity away from the busyness of this world into the busyness of the servants. People who know the Master is returning and who care about the things of God. I want to finish by telling um, uh, a story about, uh, telling you about a guy I met through the City Bible Forum um, back many moons ago when I was an engineer. And uh, he was a guy uh, who was involved in CBF and uh, very busy, kind of ultra busy, um, partner of a very busy law firm. But even with all that, his main concern was for the gospel, for the honour of the Lord Jesus. And that played out in lots and lots of ways. He hosted uh, Bible talks in his boardroom um, at lunchtime, uh, invited people from his, his firm to, to come and hear uh, from the Bible about Jesus, He served on the board of um, different Christian organisations in Perth. Uh, He was amazingly generous with his money. Um, And his work wasn't what defined him. He he wasn't defined by by his office or by his position, but he was first and foremost a servant of the Lord Jesus. And that shaped everything. That shaped his work, that shaped his time, it shaped uh, uh, the way he gave his money. Um, He was busy, yes, a busy guy but busy for the kingdom. And he lived in this uh, busy world, right? Uh, in in a, a legal world that was, was ultra busy, you know, billing clients in six-minute increments and all that kind of stuff, running about after everything. But he was busy for the kingdom. He had the busyness of a servant waiting for his master to return. And that needs to be ours as well.